Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Uh, hey, as we get into the word today, uh, we're going to do something that we did last week as well, and that is uh, we're going to pivot a little bit today. Um, I, I mentioned last week as we started out the service that we had a series planned for uh, this season in our church, but uh, it just didn't feel right to jump into what we had planned to do, and instead, uh, we felt like we needed to tap into what the Holy Spirit was saying in that moment, and uh, we're going to go ahead and do the same thing today, whether you like it or not, all right? This is my microphone, and this is my camera, and so we're going we're gonna to preach what I want to preach today. <laughs> Uh, Robin and I have been trying to remain incredibly sensitive in this season to what we feel the Holy Spirit is saying, not just to us personally, but to our church. And, you know, as we make moves and decisions, just, God, what, what do you want to do in San Francisco? What are you asking us to do? And so I never want to assume that a series we put on the books months ago is the right thing. I want to kind of put the you know, finger in the air and go, hey, what, what are you saying right now? And I really do feel the Holy Spirit has spoken something to me this week that I want to share with you today. Um, I have a group of guys that uh, read the Bible together, and we try to read through it every single year. And uh, there's, I don't know how many of us now, a couple of you in the room, what, maybe 10, 11, 12 of us that, that read through it together. And it's, it's pretty cool. We get to share some thoughts with each other every single morning about the revelation that God gives us as we go to the Word. And, uh, and this last week, we started into First Peter at the beginning of the week. And as we started reading this book, I just felt the Holy Spirit kind of highlight some scripture to me, uh, pop off the, the page, if you will, and slap me around a little bit. That ever happened to anybody else? Kind of the scripture just starts to mess with you on a very personal level. Uh, I love that about the Bible. I love that the Bible, you know, often we go and we think that we are reading it, but as we're reading it, it's reading us and it's speaking to us. And it's amazing how these ancient scriptures in this book that was written thousands of years ago can immediately begin to apply to our current situation. And that's exactly what happened to me as I went to the word this week. Uh, I, I did what I always do. Um, I allowed the scripture to first speak to me. I asked God, what are you saying to me right now through this portion of scripture? Uh, by the way, a little tip from Uncle Tim today. Um, when you go to the Bible, don't read it for anybody else. Read it for yourself, okay? It's not your job to sift through the scriptures and try to find something that applies to somebody else's life. And hey, I, I just thought I'd share this with you today, which is really just a way to, you know, kind of mildly condemn them through the word. Uh, that's not what the Bible's for. We go to the Bible so that the Holy Spirit can speak to us through his word. I never approach the Bible as a pastor to get a sermon. This is not a textbook. This is not something I go to to go, hey, what, what am I supposed to say to other people? I always approach the word as a sword that needs to cut my heart first. And so I, I let the word speak to me. And as I did that and I wrote down some thoughts, I still felt like there was a little bit of meat left on the bone, so to speak. And so I felt like there were some things that we needed to talk about as a church. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to it to, uh, in First Peter chapter one. We're gonna go there today. Uh, for those in the room, I see all of your Bibles coming out. They're very, very Christian here. It's awesome. Um, but as we go to First Peter, uh, let me give you a little bit of context and explain why I really feel like this particular book and this portion of scripture is so significant in light of the season that we're in. Uh, the Apostle Peter began to write this letter in First Peter, uh, named it after himself, as we should all name our letters after ourselves. Uh, and uh, as he writes this letter, he's writing to the five churches in Asia Minor. And the church at this particular season is experiencing some incredible persecution. Things are really difficult. A lot of people in the church are starting to give up and tap out and say, this isn't what I signed up for and things are way too hard right now. And the apostle Peter understands the climate and the culture that all the Christians are living in. And, and he begins to encourage them through this letter to, to hold on, to stay strong, to, to continue to, to fight the good fight of faith. 
But, but in the midst of this, he also offers a little bit of perspective about what they're facing. He said, hey, I just need to remind you, I understand that things are challenging and they're difficult, but there is some purpose behind your pain. There's a reason for your suffering. And I don't want you to tap out too early because if you cling to the purpose in the midst of this pain, you're gonna see some things come to pass in your life that you will not see if you tap out too early. I think that is a message that many of us need to hear today. I think that that is a message that many in the body of Christ need to hear, that there is a purpose for our pain right now. This is not insignificant. This is not just a season that we're supposed to sit back and let pass, but there's something that God is trying to accomplish in us. There is intention behind all of this, and we need to maintain the right perspective for our pain in this season. So here's what he says as he uh, begins to speak to these five churches in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. He says, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So truly be glad. Come on, be glad. Tap someone next to you, tell them to be glad. Be glad today. Get glad. Isn't that, I think that's a commercial. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now, you can probably tell by the emphasis in my voice and by the formatting of the text that the, the words that seemed to pop off the page to me and speak to me while I was reading this were the words trials, tests, tested, trial. Those words just seem to pop up off the page and, and smack me around in the eyeballs. They're such important words as we consider our context right now. And as I underlined those words and highlighted them and began to write a little bit, I discovered that that word appears over 30 times in the New Testament in the same context that it appears right here when speaking about our faith. And the Greek word that the Apostle Peter is using here is the word dakimatso. And here's what it means. To examine, to prove, to scrutinize, and to see whether a thing is genuine or not. To examine, prove, scrutinize, or to see if something is genuine or not. It was a phrase that often, when they used it, they were referring to the money changers in the society that they lived in. Back in Bible times, if you didn't have exact change, there was no credit cards, no, you know, stone card that you just beep, you know, no Apple Pay back then. Uh, everything was not touchless, so they wouldn't have been able to survive COVID. Everyone would have died. Uh, but uh, if you didn't have exact change, you'd have to go to one of the money changers in the marketplace, and you'd give them uh, your coins, and they would give you smaller coins or smaller denominations in exchange. But there were a lot of dis honest money changers. And so guys would get these gold coins or these silver coins and they would scrape them down. They'd get some shavings and, you know, just take a little bit off of this coin, a little bit off of that coin. You just kind of store it in a bucket beside your, your money changing booth until you had enough of those shavings saved up. And then you'd melt down those shavings and you'd create another coin. So when people came and they gave you their legitimate currency, you would get a smaller currency in return. And they just, they were a little bit dishonest about it. But those who had some integrity and the money changers that were willing to give you the full weight that you were worth or the full weight that you were exchanging in, they were those that in Greek would have been called the doikimas or the dakimas. They were, they were those that, that everybody knew, hey, this guy's honest, I can go to his booth and I'm not gonna get any shaved down coins. Now, Peter here, he begins to use this Greek term not to talk about money, 
But he applies this same principle of integrity, of examining, of making sure that something is genuine to our faith. He says, in the same way that those money changers ensure that what they're getting is genuine and what they're giving away is genuine, we must do the same with our faith. We need to examine it, we need to weigh it, and we need to make sure that our faith is legit. And so if you're looking for a thesis based on this scripture, here's what I wrote down. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Testing is the vehicle whereby the legitimacy of our faith is proven. Testing is the vehicle whereby the legitimacy of our faith is proven. And just for the record, not, not just to God, okay? We're not trying to prove our faith to God. It's where our, proof, our faith is proven to us. Just to be clear, God doesn't need any proof about our faith, okay? He knows exactly how much faith you have. There's this weird theology out there that you hear people spout off sometimes. And like, you know, well, God is just testing me to see if I can make it through this or, you know, to see if I've got what it takes or, you know, if my faith is strong enough. Like God gives us sickness and God gives us pain and God gives us trials and he gives us temptations. That is absolutely unbiblical theology. That's not what the word of God says. In fact, the word of God says the opposite in the book of James. Hey, God does not give you these things. Don't say that's God testing you or God tempting you right now. It's actually the enemy that's tempting you. No, the, 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 the temptations, the tests that we face are not for God's benefit, they're for our benefit. They prove to us whether or not our faith is legitimate. It puts our faith to the test. And so to that end, I wrote a question down in my journal that I posed to myself and now I wanna pose to all of us today. A question that I think if we wrestled with, it might change the way we saw our current season. And, and I want you to write this down because we're gonna take this as our title for today. Uh, the title I wanna offer and the question I wanna ask, am I passing this test? As you consider everything that you're facing right now, as you consider the season we're in right now, am I passing this test? Now, for those of you who um, are the overachiever type and passing is not enough, uh, you can go ahead and change the title however you want. Am I crushing this test? Am I acing this test? Because I know who some of you are. And you're like, I don't care if I, I want to crush the test, all right? So you can change the title however you want. But for the rest of us who are okay with just kind of passing on, uh, am I passing this test? Uh, I'm going to pray. And uh, despite that very long intro, we're going to get into this. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I, I don't think I speak just for myself, but I speak for everyone who's listening and watching today. We wanna pass the test that we find ourselves in. We wanna come out of this thing pure gold on the other side. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us the right perspective today as we go to your word, that you would equip us to be able to cling to Jesus, to cling to our faith, and not to quit too early in this season. We love you and we thank you that you are for us, not against us. You've equipped us to fight the good fight. Show us how to do that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Uh, when Robin and I first uh, moved to San Francisco, uh, it was a Friday mid-afternoon, very sunny day in late January. We had a bunch of people that helped us uh, move all of our furniture from Vacaville to San Francisco. And so we got all of it moved in one day. Uh, we discovered we had way more stuff than we thought we did, uh, way too much to fit into a San Francisco home. But uh, we, you know, we downsized and did our best. But all of it made its way in, in a single afternoon to this new house that we were gonna be living in. And uh, we spent the next couple of days unpacking and arranging all of our furniture and uh, you know, settling in, or uh, what's the term? Um, uh, nesting, I think we were nesting. Is that the right term? 
Or is that just what pregnant women do when they're done? Okay, okay, just, we were nesting. Uh, and uh, by the time Monday evening came around, we had pretty much our whole house set up, which is pretty impressive. You know, a couple days, we had the whole house set up. Uh, so when we were exhausted after setting everything up, we decided, okay, we're gonna take it a little bit easy on Tuesday and just kind of chill out as a family. And so the next day we woke up a little bit late and I made some breakfast for the family and made some coffee. And we took our time reading our Bibles and praying and just hanging out. And the kids were relaxed and we were relaxed and just kind of chilling a little bit. But all of that changed when the clock struck noon. Doesn't that sound like a movie thing, you know? Then the clock struck noon, dun, dun, when, the, when the clock struck noon. Now, for those of you who live in San Francisco and you've been in this area for a while, you know what happens on Tuesday at noon or what used to happen before they changed the system up a little bit and they're working on it now. We were foreign. We did not know what happened at 12 o'clock at high noon on Tuesdays. All of a sudden, we're just sitting there minding our own business, hanging around the house, when all of a sudden, Okay, what's, <laughs> it wasn't like, we knew it wasn't like a police car or a fire truck or, you know, some kind of like first responder. Like that's the siren you hear when bombs are coming in from an invading nation. So like our minds are like going every which way. Like what is happening right now? And our kids are screaming and they're crying and they're hiding. And like, I'm like, great, we just moved here. We've been here for three days, tried to start a church in San Francisco. And all of a sudden we're gonna just, we're all gonna get nuked. It's gonna, this is what's gonna happen right now. Like this is the end of the, ah, so finally, after about 15 seconds of these sirens going off, you hear this really muffled voice that nobody can understand. So you don't know if he's saying like, you're all gonna die. But here's what he's saying. And then it just stopped. Like after 30 seconds of chaos, it just stopped. Just as quickly as it started, it stopped. And we're like, what just happened? We're not dead, I think, we're okay. Jesus, I love you, you know, like, are we good? And so we start doing a little bit of research and we go online and we discover, oh, apparently every Tuesday at noon, the emergency outdoor system is tested out here in San Francisco just to make sure that the whole thing works. Like, ah, I wish somebody would have told us that when we moved in, that would have been great. Now for Robin and myself and our oldest daughter, Ellie, that's all we needed, all right? We were totally fine. There was still a couple of weeks, you know, following where it started to go off. And for a quick minute, we're like, oh no, it's, it's just, it's the emergency broadcast system. This is just a test. So, okay, we're good. My youngest daughter, not so much. <laughs> My youngest daughter, Livy, to this day, well, it doesn't happen anymore every single Tuesday, but to the last day that it happened, it didn't matter that we told her a hundred times, this is just a test. Nothing bad is happening. There's no tsunami. There's no earthquake. There's no invading troops, everything's fine. The second that siren began to go off, my daughter would scream at the top of her lungs. She would find something to hide under around the house, the kitchen table, she'd run into her bedroom. She actually hid under our couch, which I didn't even know that anyone could fit underneath there. Like she found every nook and cranny to hide the second that she saw or that she heard that siren go off. Didn't matter. Her perspective was, this is it. I have to cut, I need to run, I need to hide. I don't understand what's happening. She could never emotionally connect to the idea that she was just going through a test. And because she didn't have the right perspective about the testing, she failed the test every single Tuesday. She didn't see it right. And because she didn't see it right, she failed. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The fastest way to fail is to forget you are in a test. The fastest way to fail is to forget that you are in a test. Hey, listen to me. Everyone in the room, everyone watching right now, one, two, three, eyes on me, ready? 
you're in a test right now. We are in the middle of a test, okay? Let's, let's pull back the curtain in the spirit. Let's see what's happening for real. We are in the middle of a trial. We are in the middle of a test. And it is absolutely imperative that we maintain that perspective in the midst of this. If you do not realize that we are in the middle of a test, you will do what my daughter did. You will cut and run and you will hide. You will just try to cope and get through this season. You'll simply try to survive. And I know a lot of people right now that are just trying to survive and get to the other side of this thing and they're employing all kinds of really unhealthy and toxic coping mechanisms just so that they don't have to feel what they're facing right now. Because they don't understand, hey, this is a test. But when we understand that this is a test, when we understand what is happening, then we no longer have to just survive this season, but we can succeed in this season. We can crush and we don't have to just cope. We can pass the test and we will not fail on the other side of this thing. We must remember we are in the middle of a test. And that is the perspective that Peter is trying to give the church in, in this beautiful portion of scripture in 1 Peter. He's saying, guys, hey, I need to remind you, what you're facing right now is a test. I know it's difficult. I'm not trying to minimize the pain that you're going through right now. I'm not just trying to say, hey, buck up, come on, you can, you can sort this out. This is merely a flesh wound, move on. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, I get it, this is hard, it's difficult. But hey, you have to look, take a step back. This is a test that you're walking through right now. You must maintain that perspective because there is a purpose for this test. If you don't realize what it is, you'll never lay hold of its intention. You'll never lay hold of its purpose. And the purpose of this test is to prove the legitimacy of your faith. This is an opportunity for you to get a litmus test as to whether or not your faith can stand whether or not your faith is legitimate. If your faith was nothing more than your crutch, your coping mechanism, if it was something that you never put too much time to and it was just a place you visited on a Sunday morning, well, guess what? Your faith has crumbled at this point. Your faith has been proven to be very weak. But if your faith is strong, you're actually gonna make it through this thing. Don't you love it when the Bible is just like super honest like that? Like almost like aggressively honest. You're like, I have emotions, all right? Like, but just gets right to the heart of it. Like Peter's not gonna sugarcoat this for us. He's not trying to make you feel a little bit better so that you might consider maybe holding on to Jesus. He's like, listen, either your faith is gonna make it or it's not. Either your faith was real or it's not. And, and, and if you aren't making it through this season right now, then it is an indicator that the faith you thought you have was probably not the kind of faith that you thought you had. It, it's a proof. It's, it's, it's to examine. It's to dokimas. It's to see whether or not your faith is legitimate. So let's ask the question again. Are we passing this test? Are we tapping out? Or are we crushing it? Thank you. Or are we finding that we're failing? Because he begins to tap into something, I think it's a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more important, a little, a, little bit, a little further explanation of what's happening right now. And he, he begins to use an example, an illustration in this text, a, a second purpose behind this test that I think a lot of us are feeling, but we haven't been able to articulate. Like we, we know, we sense it, we feel it, but we haven't been able to give voice to it. And once we understand that this is to, to prove our faith, he begins to show us that there's another aspect of what we're experiencing right now, another test that we're experiencing right now 
that will actually develop our faith in an even greater way than any of us probably thought possible in the midst of it. Look at what he says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. He says, if your faith, or excuse me, it, your faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Not only does this test prove your faith, but it purifies your life. Yes, it'll prove whether or not your faith is legitimate, but it will also purify your life. How? Well, the same way that fire purifies gold, which begs the question, how does fire purify gold? Well, I'm glad you asked. So in biblical times, um, if there was a lump of gold that needed to be refined and, and purified, a refiner would uh, heat up a fire to roughly 2,000 degrees, and then he would take a crucible, and he would place the impure metals or the unpurified gold in that crucible. He would place it on top of the fire, and as that crucible, that uh, metal object or that stone object began to heat up, then the metal inside of it, the gold inside of it, would liquefy, and because of the density of the gold, the gold would sink to the bottom while all of the impurities would come up on the top. They would surface. They called it the dross. And as the dross surfaced, the refiner's job was to sift off all of the impurities and do it over and over and over again until all that was left inside that crucible was the pure gold. He says, your faith is being tested the same way that a refiner purifies gold. Now, I wanted to give you a visual for that tonight, uh, and I didn't have a crucible at my house. You guys can come up here and start bringing that over. Um, so I also didn't have any impure gold at my house. All of my gold has already been purified. It's in brick form. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not true. I'm like inviting robbers over to my house right now. Uh, so I brought something else uh, that we can use today as a, uh, as a means of illustration. So I have one of these uh, little single burners a glass pot here, and uh, my version of a sifter. Now, if I were a refiner, this would be the liquefied metal inside of my crucible, and this would be my, my heat, my, my, my test, if you will. And as the metal begin to bubble up and, and heat up, all of the impurities would begin to work their way to the surface. And my job as the refiner would be to come across the surface of this thing get rid of the stuff that doesn't belong, bit by bit, little by little, until the only thing that was left was the pure version of what I was looking for. Now, according to Peter, this is what life looks like. This is the season that all of us are experiencing right now. We've got some, some heat We've got some fire. We've got some pain that we're walking through. And maybe this isn't the first time you've walked through something like this. Maybe it's been sickness or it has been unemployment before. It's been a, a difficult relational season for you or a marriage has fallen apart. Like there's been some heat. And as the heat begins to apply itself to our life, all of the stuff that used to be inside of our, our impure self begins to surface. And as it surfaces, the job of the refiner is to sift it. It surfaces to be sifted. It surfaces to be sifted. Say it with me. It surfaces to be sifted. That's the purpose 
of the pressure of the test. The impurities surface so that they can be sifted. Now, to be clear, the impurities were already there before. It's not like they showed up. They didn't get added to the mixture. They were already there. They were simply revealed as the heat was applied to the life. Now, maybe you felt some of this over the last couple of months. Maybe you felt some pressure. Maybe you felt some things begin to surface. I'm not gonna point any fingers, but I made just a little bit of a list, some things that I've seen surface over the last couple of months. Here's some dross that I think has kind of made its way to the surface in some people's lives. Insecurity, anger, fear, anxiety, bitterness, rage, hatred, unforgiveness, prejudice, laziness, doubt, unbelief. How about this? Misplaced trust. People who have placed all their trust and their hopes in the systems of this world and they're waiting for the the God of government to come in and rescue them from their situation, which is actually nothing more than another form of idolatry, just to be clear. I've seen all of this stuff begin to surface up in the lives of people. And just as it is for the gold, it is for you. The impurity was already there. Sorry, I hate to break it to you. That rage, that anger, that stuff that was all already there but the crucible of what you're facing right now has allowed those things to come to the surface. Why? So they can be sifted. So that they can be sifted. The purpose of the pain is to allow impurity to surface in your life so that God can get it out of your life. Permittest me to get in thine business for just a moment, if I could. King James always makes it a little more palatable, right? You know? Let me tell you what I think I've seen a lot of in this season. In fact, let me ask it to you in question form. As the dross has surfaced, what have you done with the dross? What have you done with the impurities that have surfaced in your life? Here's what I think a lot of people have done. I think a lot of people have, instead of allowing the refiner to remove it from their life, they've allowed it to remain. Not only have they allowed it to remain, they've begun to act upon their impurities. They begin to use those impurities as this compelling force to dictate their actions, the way they speak to other people, the way they treat other people, the way they survey the situation they find themselves in right now. As fear began to bubble up to the surface, rather than combating it with the word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to sift it from their life, they began to feed into the fear and they gorged on news and media and social media and conspiracy theories and freak out friends that didn't know how to have a faithful conversation with them. They just let all that stuff bubble to the surface and then they lived it out. As, as prejudice began to bubble up to the surface, a lot of people are like, whoa, 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 that wasn't inside my life. I'm just gonna go ahead and get myself off of this thing. I don't wanna deal with that right now. And they just let the prejudice kind of settle back into the sediment of their life instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to sift it, which was the whole purpose of this pain that we're feeling right now. Uncertainty has surfaced in a lot of people's lives and 
we don't know what's going to happen next, and we don't know the state of San Francisco. And so many people have cut and run the very city that God has called them to serve, the very city that God has called them to build his kingdom in. Like I, I, the call of God, I can put that on the back burner right now because I'm not certain about the future. And so I'm just going to leave instead of put, digging their heels in and putting voice to their faith and saying, I'm going to commit myself to the place that God has called me. And I'm not going to deviate from the call. I'm going to continue to pursue what God has asked me to do with my life or, or bitterness and anger and rage and unforgiveness and all this stuff that has surfaced. And instead of allowing God to sift it from our lives, We've turned our friends and those that we've loved into verbal targets and punching bags and we've made subtle comments on social media, maybe not so subtle comments on social media after conversation with someone that we had because we didn't want to say it to them personally but we wanted to say it to the rest of the world and hope that, I'm sorry, it's getting a little bit too personal right now. Listen, the reason it surfaced was so that it could be sifted. The reason you felt the pain was so that it could be purged from your life. Not so that we could continue to act on those impurities. They are here in the middle of this test because God wants to remove them from our life so that only the pure gold of what he has for us is, is what remains. My life scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. There's a couple different kinds of houses. There's a nobleman's house and there's an ignobleman's house. And there's some vessels inside that house. And if you keep yourself pure, if you allow God to sift out all of the impurities in your life, then God will use you for some noble purposes on this planet. I declare over the Father's house, I declare over your life, you are not going to be an impure vessel that God cannot use in this season, but we are going to be those that allow the Holy Spirit to sift this stuff from our life so we can live for the high call of God in a season where everybody desperately needs the church to be living out its call. That's the purpose of the pressure. That's the purpose of the pain. So that we can be purified. So let me ask you again. Are you passing this test? Are you passing the purity test? Are you allowing God to sift some stuff from your life right now? Because if we will allow him to sift the stuff from our life, if we'll allow him to purify us, and if we can determine right now that our faith is legitimate and it's proven in the midst of this test, there is a promise that Peter gives us at the end of the scripture that I wanna end with today. In fact, I'll invite the band to come as I conclude with this. And it's a promise that I think every single one of us desperately wants, but we must embrace this to get that. Look at how Peter ends uh, this, this lovely paragraph to the five churches in Asia Minor. 1 Peter 1, verse 7. He says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials and testing, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now that's kind of Christianese language. It's maybe not as easily applicable. So let me give you another scripture that says the same thing, but perhaps in a different way so that it's easier to wrap our heads around it. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial and under testing, because having stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Not only does the testing prove your faith, not only does it purify your life, but the testing prepares you for eternity. I know that we talk about that a lot around here, but I refuse to apologize for talking about the thing that the apostles and the New Testament church was obsessed with. They were in a very trying time. 
And so the thing that they clung to, the hope that they clung to, the thrust of their messages was, guys, eternity is coming. We're not living for worldly comfort. We're living for eternal confidence. We're living for the day where there is a crown placed on our head because we passed the test. We were able to endure everything that this world had to throw at us because we knew that heaven was on the other side of it. That is the perspective we must maintain right now. That there is an eternity on the other side of everything we're facing right now. That heaven is coming. I'm not trying to minimize the pain. The pain is real. The testing is legitimate. It's for a purpose. It proves our faith. It purifies our life. It prepares us for eternity. I want to be prepared for that day. I want you to be prepared for that day when Jesus looks you in the eye. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's a crown. Now go get inside your new mansion. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm living for. Let me conclude today the same way that Peter concludes near the end of this letter and a few verses later, 1 Peter chapter 4. He says in verse 12, dear, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery tests and trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. These trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory. Hey, don't freak out in the middle of the trial. Don't freak out in the middle of the test. Have some joy. Because on the other side of this, you get to see the glory of God. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.